0: Welcome in to a Friday edition of the Back and Forth podcast. We got to Friday and the third and final episode of the week, as we promised you guys, three episodes in a row: Wednesday, Thursday, and now Friday. I'm your host, Stat Matt aka Matt Raftery, joined alongside as always by my co-host Joey G. And for once, we don't just have basketball on the up on the show today. We're
1: gonna mix it up a little bit.
0: We're gonna we're gonna look at a little bit of what's going on on the ice. They are in. The Eastern Conference Final, of, or the Conference Finals, both Eastern and Western Conference Finals for the NHL. And, of course, we will give you the uh, recap from Game 1 of the NBA Finals. I know somebody in the room is probably a little excited about what happened last obviously, night. Obviously, obviously. Um, you know, uh Apparently, uh, if you ask Draymond Green, he's not too worried about it. So yeah. we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later. Draymond should
1: be a little bit more worried about trying to shoot a little bit better. <laughs> two
0: of twelve, four points. I think that's what Draymond Green is worried about. <laughs> Apparently, he's not worried about some people on the Celtics, though. We'll, yeah. we'll get into that a little bit later. But let's start on the ice. Let's go to NHL. Give you a little bit of update. What's going on in the Eastern Conference Final? Uh, game two is set to take place tonight between the Tampa Bay Lightning and New York Rangers. The Rangers won Game one. By a score of six to two, uh, Rangers actually have home ice in the series. So, I mean, kind of kind of surprising to see Tampa Bay, uh, a little bit of a lower seed, given that they're the two-time defending champ. Um, but nonetheless, the Rangers came out. They took care of business on their home ice in Game One, and uh, I guess they're probably looking to do a lot of the same in Game Two. But uh, going against the Tampa team is never easy, especially when they are the two-time defending champion, Tampa Bay Lightning.
1: Yeah, you got to give a lot of credit to the Rangers. Uh, former Golden Knights coach, uh, Joe Gallant, also um, former Knights player, Ryan Reeves. So, I mean, they've got the experience, I think, that, you know, those guys made a Stanley Cup run before, and I'm sure if you guys are on the team have had made a run before. So, uh, they're just a fun team to root for. They're you're a team you want to see win. They've uh, they've been playing incredible. They have home ice advantage right now, and having home ice advantage against Tampa Bay, I think, is uh, um, a huge thing, especially when it's, a uh, place as historic as the Madison Square Garden, so um, I like the Rangers here. I really think they're able they can pull this off you have a very big You know game one is very important. It's one of the most overlooked games in the series people think it's just one game It's the first game and you can kind of it's a game you can afford to drop really, um, but it sets the tone for the series, and I think um, uh, New York did a good job if you win six to two against one of the better teams and especially a team that's uh, uh back-to-back champions you definitely send a message and you make a statement, and I think um, they accomplished what they wanted to do in game one, which was set the tone and yet another game back at home um, You have a real good chance to go up 2-0 here going back to Tampa, which I think is what you want You want to have um, uh, a 2 lead going into Tampa because you lose both It's still 2-2 and if you're able to steal one there Hey, you got a 3-1 series lead and you know 3-1 series is a little bit more um, I won't say easier, but more possible to come back in college not college excuse me in hockey uh, rather than it is basketball um, but nothing less. That's a very comfortable series lead. And Ryan Reeves and uh, Gerald Gallant just can't they gotta for- forget about the PTSD from the the Vegas Golden Night days or they blew a three one lead against San Jose. So if they can do that, they'll be okay. But I like this Rangers team. They're a fun team to watch and um they're honestly the team I wanna see win the win the whole thing and uh um they, they, they did a good job of accomplishing what they wanted to do in game one and moving on to the other series, uh in the Western Conference. We have Edmonton and uh um, Colorado Colorado not taking a 2-0 lead uh against Connor mcdavid's Connor mcdavids Edmonton Oilers and Colorado overall looks like the best team um although I'm rooting for New York Colorado right now looks like the best and most complete team uh in hockey right now and uh it's on full display I mean they're they're taking down a really good Oilers team that beat uh a, a King's team in seven games you know this that la Kings team really got red hot towards the end of the back into the season there. And they, I won't say looked unbeatable, but they looked like a team that was going to make a second-round conference finals run. Um, And I believe uh, the Oilers overcame a 3-2 deficit um, to come back and win that series. And um, everyone knows how great of a player McDavid is, obviously. Uh, So if Colorado would have a 2-0 series lead, um, stealing the first two games at home, um, then going back to uh, Edmonton, I believe, for games three and four, um, they're in a very good position right now. I mean, they honestly... They could. I don't think they will, but they could sweep Edmonton. I feel like, um, but I think that series ends on five games, and they will inevitably come out of the West and face either New York and um, New York or uh, or Tampa Bay. But I really hope it's New York. I think a a Rangers and Avalanche Stanley Cup final will be uh, really good and entertaining and overall fun for hockey. I mean, NHL finally got the um, is, is more on national TV now because it's most of these games were never on TV except for the Stanley Cup final, which would be on NBC and now you have games on ESPN and um, TNT, obviously, and I think uh, having a Stanley Cup final on ESPN with the New York Rangers in it would be really good and would kind of get the NHL to, to draw on some ratings a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think uh, of the two series, I think the Rangers-Lightning series was a little more competitive. Um, I, I I think you nailed it on the head when you when you talk about Colorado. Of the 14, Colorado looks like they're in their own you know, zip code in a sense as far as how talented they are and how complete they are. Um, I, I will say I think if you're looking for one of the more underrated teams of the four, I think it is the Rangers because I think a lot of people, um, we saw it a little bit even last round, they were trying to kind of write off the Rangers and be like, oh, well, you know, they're not getting past Carolina or, you know, they're just not that good enough to get past, you know, a Carolina team that's been really good at home. Um, and I think even the round before that, you know, they kind of face the same thing where, there was some some doubt setting in um, amongst some people in the hockey universe about the the New York Rangers. And uh, they've they've come up through each round and they've you know proven that they can compete with a lot of good teams in this league. And I, I think taking a 1-0 series lead against the defending champs, um, I, I think, speaks volume to how talented this team is and how fearless they are. They They don't they're not afraid to go play anybody, you know. They don't care that Tampa Bay, you know, has won back-to-back Stanley Cup uh, championships. They, you know, approach approach the game the same way they approach the first couple rounds. And um, I think setting that tone early on in the series is key, especially when you're playing a talented team in Tampa and you're getting deeper into uh, the playoff run. Uh, you definitely want to make sure you're setting the tone of series early on. Um, and I I, I do... I. I'm with you. I'm wholeheartedly rooting for the Rangers, uh, particularly for Gerard Gallant and Ryan Reeves. I want to see those guys do well. Um, And if anything, it's a little bit of a uh, F you back to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights for some of the decision-making they made.
1: I mean, they definitely deserve it. I think – like we – not to talk too much about the Knights here, but like we have said, I think the Knights have, over time, just gotten uh, very impatient. Um, You had a really great year one, but, you know, that was – they exceed expectations by a thousand miles, and I think the Golden Knights made that a standard. And they saw the team kind of struggle a little bit. What year three?
0: Yeah, and not and, all the fans are complaining. Yeah, because...
1: and they they were still in the playoff picture too, as well. Yeah. like it, it was just uh, it was a it was a it was a bad decision to fire. I mean, the same thing with Pete Dobier. Like he, the Knights missed the playoffs for the first time in their history in the first five years. Like most expansion teams, it takes them five to six years just to get in. Right. We missed it for the first time. And we're like, okay, you're done. Like that kind of. That's worse than UNLV, honestly. That's worse than how UNLV goes around with their head coaches. And that kind of – having that kind of relationship with your coaches and having them around for two years and then booting them, it's going to make it harder and harder for the Knights to get a decent head coach there because when that job opens up, coaches are going to be like, well, if I don't do good, year one or year two, like I'm gone, I feel like – if I go to I'm just throwing a team out. If I go to Arizona, right, they'll be a little more patient with me and allow me to build and accomplish what I want to do there versus the Knights, it's very get it done quick now. Like we're not we're not we're not the Chicago Blackhawks, we're not the Boston Bruins, we're not the ring. Like we're not like a team that have a little bit of a history, like we're still new and you know, the fact that we've made the playoffs so many times in our short span is is frankly unreal and we gotta be a little more patient with our head coaches, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think The fact that Vegas is now going to be on their third head coach in six seasons is a little alarming. Um, Again, it it causes a lot of candidates to maybe think twice about applying for the Vegas job because, you know, they know that they have to have success right away. And not to say this roster isn't success ready right now. I mean, it's very win ready. Um, You have still a lot of good pieces on it. You have Mark Stone, you have Riley Smith, you have a lot of the key guys that you know, have been around for a while. It's just, it's naturally hard for a coach, even in professional sports, to come into a new organization and win right away. Like, yeah. it's a very rare nominally, and I, I think, it, I, I we said it a lot on the show, I think, that it almost would have been better if Vegas had been closer to expectations year one, because then I think the fan base in the organization would have been more patient with players and more patient with head coaches instead of making the Stanley Cup year one. And then you start, you know, putting in that little sense of entitlement to the Vegas fan base. I mean, I've always, I've been on record calling them entitled for a long time because it seems like they, you know, lose three games in a row and, oh, season's over, chalk it up. Like, let's try again next year. Um, And the fact (laughs) of the matter is, I mean, there's organizations in professional sports that go through... Decades of terrible seasons. Um, Vegas has won, and they feel like the world's gonna set on fire now. That's just how it is here sometimes. So, um, uh, but definitely best
1: of luck to uh, to the Rangers. And, uh, I'm um, sometimes you know, we gotta be a little bit,
0: uh, we have to be a little bit unbiased, but we're gonna be a little bit biased here. and We're, we're definitely ruined for, for the Rangers. Rangers, I think, an avalanche Rangers. Uh, Stanley Cup final is actually a pretty good matchup. I, yeah. I I would be That's a seven game series. I would be entertained by that for yeah. sure. But a uh, a series that is in their championship phase, um, that being the Celtics and the Warriors over in the NBA. Played game one last night and Joey called it. Celtics won one twenty to one oh eight. I was I, I thought the Warriors would actually come out and win that game. Um I'm standing by that I think Warriors win game two. I thought whoever won game one, I would take the opposite for game two. I think the Warriors right now are still too talented to lose back-to-back at home. Like, I I can't... I would honestly be shocked if they went down 2-0, especially with those two games being at Chase Center. That's a very good point,
1: but the streak continues. The Vegas... I wish. The Boston Celtics are um have not lost a game at Chase Center yet still. in the they are now 4-0 at Chase Center all time and in their last 10 games on the road in the bay area, I think they're either 8 and 2 or 9 and 1. Um and they're 8 and 2 so far in this year's playoffs. So the Celtics are a really good road team and as crazy as it sounds, if the Warriors are going to steal two games, I feel like those one of them are going to be at TD Garden. Um, Boston, for some reason, is 5 and 4 at home and 8 and 2 on the road. Can't make it make sense at all. But um, uh, they're just a better road team right now. And um, time and time again, you know, the, we have these uh, amazing fourth quarters. And I think throughout the season, since that, since RJ Barrett hit that um, buzzer beater against us, I've never seen such a locked in uh, fourth quarter team. I I like it's it's nuts um that Bucks game when we were our it was on our last show was game four of the Bucks series they looked dead in the water after that third quarter and they somehow pulled it out on the road um and got a win in Milwaukee against the defending champs in the fourth quarter you look at last night you know trailing as much as by 15 in the third you come out in the fourth quarter you're, you're trailing by 15 at the end of the third and then you win the game by 12 in the fourth quarter you outscored Golden State 41 to 16 in the fourth quarter on the road in Chase Center during the NBA Finals, which was the largest um, or the most a team has been outscored in a quarter in a in any NBA Finals game ever. Um, so time and time again, people are like, Boston is not going to shoot that well again. It's not going to happen. And they do it again, and they do it again. And it's exactly what we were referencing earlier with Draymond Green was saying. Um, he's like, we'll be okay. You know, Draymond – or excuse me, uh, Derek White, Horford, and Smart shot 15, 15 of 23. Yeah. I don't think Draymond Green is aware that Derek White is a good three-point shooter. He is capable of doing that again. Al Horford is a great three-point shooter. Marcus Smart is not the greatest, but he has drastically improved at the three-point line. Like Marcus Smart, they're letting him chuck up threes for a reason. All these guys are shooting threes for a reason because Boston is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league this season. That's how they've been winning most of these games. They've had a they had a playoff record earlier this year in threes. Like, I don't know what Draymond's expecting to happen again. Draymond should be a little more concerned that he's shooting 2 of 12 in an NBA Finals game where his team needs him. He should be a little more concerned that Klay Thompson completely disappeared and Stephen Curry completely disappeared in the fourth quarter because that will happen again because they've done that before. Do I got to remind you about the 3-1 series lead that they blew? Do I got to remind you how they choked to the Toronto Raptors and they lost every single home game in that series? Like, it will happen again. That will happen again. If you let Derek White, Al Horford, and Smart consistently shoot the three ball wide open, that is going to happen again. It doesn't matter if it's at TD Garden or the Chase Center. Those guys can shoot the three ball, and there's a reason why Ime Odoka is letting them uh, chuck up threes. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson vanishing, it's happened before, and that will happen again. So I think that's what the Warriors need to be a little more concerned about, not quote-unquote lucky shooting from the Celtics. Um, When the Celtics are moving the ball around, and they have like it's it's the same with any team. When any team has goes on a run, all it takes is one player to start hitting shots, and then everyone else it starts feeding off of everyone else. When you're moving the ball around, one player gets hot, you start going on a run. It's the NBA Finals. Everyone's got the adrenaline pumping through them. Like a team is going to go on a run, and that's exactly what happened. So, um, Boston's just got to. And and another point here: the Celtics won by twelve on the road when their best player literally played the worst possible game he could have ever played. Jason Tatum is not going to have another three of 17 12 point game. And i still he managed to put up 13 assists, but Jason Tatum is never going to he's not going to have another one of those games. So Curry played his best, Tatum played his worst, Celtics still by still one by twelve on the road. That's what I think the Warriors need to be a little more concerned about. I'm not saying this series is over, but they should be more worried about that stat, let alone then Good three point shooters making three point shots. Like, I don't know what you expect. Like, if you leave an NBA player open who shoots above 40% from three, they're going to, they're going to have, they're going to, they're going to make some threes. Like, it's, it's a given. It Curry, the Celtics were having a drop coverage on Stephen Curry, which I don't, that didn't, make, that didn't make any sense at all. And Curry was knocking down open threes because Curry's one of the best three point shooters. Like, it's going to happen. It's not a thing of luck. It's bad defense and, you know, better offense, essentially. So, Um, great game by Boston. I mean, they played, they played a a really good game overall. I mean, the third quarter, they kind of let it slip away from them and then they regrouped and got it together in the fourth quarter. And, um, they continue to play like that. This, this could be a a five game series. Will it? I don't think so, but it could be a five game series if they continue to play like that. Um, Jalen Brown played one of his best games, I think of his career. Um, I know he's had a 50 point game, but like, this is the NBA finals. Like he played an amazing fourth quarter last night. Uh, Derek White really stepped up like the way Derek White's been playing lately. It's like does Boston really need to target another big star free agent this offseason like if Derek White can continue to play like that like I don't think we need I don't think we really need anyone else. I mean maybe another solid piece off the bench, but you know Derek White is playing out of his mind Al Horford, um, you know, turning back the clock a little bit playing playing great had a 28 uh, point game last night. So um and it's it's and smart having 18 points and and five assists, so uh, they just got to continue um, moving the ball and and getting those open three point looks and uh I guess continue hitting uh our, our lucky shots as Draymond would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, how did I feel? How did I know that that Draymond clip would inevitably find its way into the conversation after seeing that last night? Um, I, I kind of tr- I didn't even get to watch any of the game, but just seeing that clip just kind of made me chuckle. Yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of want to look here. I'm, I'm seeing if I can find it from last night. As far as what Golden State did in the th- in the fourth from downtown, um, it's from three point range because I don't I don't think it was all that great from uh, from three point range. Let's see. Looking at. Uh, yeah, so I mean you look at it from oh that's Boston, it's not Boston. Uh, you look at it from Golden State, I mean they got outscored by what? 27, 25 points in 25, the 25. Yeah, 25 points in the fourth in the fourth quarter, <laughs> especially after uh, leading that quarter by um by 12 going into it 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 doesn't look good for sure and I mean you have guys that you know that stepped up big for Boston. You have Al Horford who had twenty six. You had, you know, uh what, Jalen Jalen Brown had what, twenty four? Yeah. Like so even their even their one A was still pretty good. Like yeah. they didn't need Jason Tatum to go off. I mean you have Marcus Smart who put in eighteen um you know, you have these guys that stepped up and or yeah. I almost I almost said uh, Marcus Smart had 24. That was Jalen Brown. Uh, but you had guys for Boston like the unlikely guys that stu- that still stepped up. Like it didn't have to be Jason Tatum. It didn't have to be, um, you know, all going through Tatum. And like we said, Jason Tatum had one of his worst games of his playoff career, probably, and yet still found a way to find you know find different ways to be effective. You know, having 13 assists. Um, that's kind of unlike Jason Tatum in a sense, and not to say that he doesn't pass the ball, but it's kind of an unusually high number of assists for Tatum to get. Usually, he might get six, seven, eight, something like that, but thirteen just kind of shows you that he real he recognized that he wasn't having the greatest of shooting nights, but realized that his, his you know some of his teammates were shooting the ball particularly well, so keep feeding them. And I mean, like you said, for Draymond to say all that while going two of 12, um, you know, he he was trying to do a lot of math in that clip, and um, he forgot to, like I said, take into account that he went two of 12, which is, um, I mean, I'm no mathematician, but that's like, what, less than 20%? Yeah, he he, he played terrible. Um, um, he was also getting cooked defensively as well. And that was, that was the other key that I had mentioned, um, I think, yesterday before the game. If Boston was going to win this game, they had to slow down the perimeter game on offense for... Uh, for Golden State you couldn't let them get crazy to their credit they probably allowed that to happen the first few quarters but then in the fourth quarter they took it away and you know it, it felt like Golden State was really keying in on um, on on Tatum and really making him a point of emphasis which is great but as we've mentioned before Boston's a very deep roster and maybe deeper than people even want to think You know, you have the guys like Derek White that can step up and be productive. You have the guys like Marcus Smart who are always a threat on defense but have evolved their game on offense a little bit more. Um, If you put all your attention on uh, Jason Tatum, inevitably, Jalen Brown, who is the second best player on that team, is going to have more open looks. And when he gets going, the team, you know, keeps rolling. And so Boston has more ways to beat you than just Jason Tatum. It felt like... Once you take away Curry from the Warriors, you really start seeing the production slow down a little bit from, I mean, guys like Clay Thompson, like we mentioned, disappeared in the fourth quarter. Um, Jordan Poole is still coming into his own. Like, this is really his breakout season, so he doesn't really have that finals experience. You know, Andrew Wiggins, kind of the same thing. He's trying to, like, in a sense, revive his career a little bit with the Warriors. He hasn't really been to the finals in his career. Um, And... Draymond Green who has is you look at it between him and Clay have the most finals experience outside of uh, Steph Curry both those guys disappeared in the biggest moment of game 1 and you know I, I i get somewhat what Draymond was saying as far as like not being too concerned about it being that it's game 1 but i think it definitely has to be somewhat of a a point of emphasis at least going to game 2 knowing that you know those guys can get open and they can get going again if you let them. So um, I don't know if it was Steph or if it was uh, Steve Kerr that had said it post game that, um, well, yes, those are usually unlikely guys to beat you from downtown. It's still enough to make sure that you you adjust those rotations for game two um, and that you maybe give them a little give Boston a little bit of a different look defensively. Um, And honestly, I think that's probably accurate. Like, you know, like I said, I I get somewhat what Draymond was saying, because um, if you had told me that Derek White was going to go berserk from behind the arc and Al Horford was going to shoot like Steph Curry in game one, I might not have believed you. Um, But then again, I mean, things happen in the finals. Like people's names are born in the NBA finals, like unlikely heroes, like. For instance, Matt, nobody knew about Matthew Della Vadova until the NBA Finals, and then he played really well. And people
1: knew about this guy, but no one thought he'd win Finals MVP, Andre Iguodala.
0: Yeah, people. a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, Andre Iguodala, he's he's all right. Like He's a good, decent player. Um, one person, though, I think like if you wanted to pick out an NBA Finals MVP, and I almost meant to do this on the show yesterday, kind of an unlikely candidate, but one that... I could make the case for is Marcus Smart. Like I think well, if, he
1: played last night, yeah.
0: I think Marcus Smart can make a very solid case for a finals MVP, similar to what Andre Iguodala did a few years back when Golden State won theirs. He's not the not gonna score you the most points. He's not gonna be the the stat sheet stuffer in a sense, but his presence on the court I think is enough. And that's what Andre Iguodala was able to do a few years back with Golden State. I think that's what Marcus Smart's able to bring to the table here with Boston is his presence alone on the court is enough to make Golden State uncomfortable and make them change rotations and change defensive sets.
1: Yeah. Um, Stephen A. Smith uh, was a little bit disrespectful in that pregame show. Um, He said that the Celtics don't have a real point guard. You do not get to the NBA Finals. Who do the New York Knicks have? I'm sorry. I'm I don't sorry. know. they fucking.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> is it uh? Is it Derek no Derek, Derek Rose is he, is he on the Knicks still? Yeah. That should, that tells you all we need to know about the Knicks because I think Emmanuel Quick is a shooting guard, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the Knicks to make the they're not even worth talking about. They're like the Lakers. It's not worth it. Um, but you look at um uh you look at uh what Stephen A Smith said yesterday um that the Celtics don't have a real point guard. You don't get to the finals if you don't have a real point guard. Name me a team. Um, that has not had a a real point guard and made an NBA Finals run. Exactly. That did not have LeBron James on it.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: So um, Stephen Curry, Kyle Lowry, even Kyrie Irving, um, the list goes on. uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, the list goes on and on um you need a you need a real point guard on your on your team to make a run and Marcus Smart has been a tremendous point guard let's not act like he's some scrub this is first team all defense defensive player of the year um and throughout the playoffs he's been averaging well over 15 points per game and well north of I believe seven assists so um he's sharing gotta remember he's sharing the ball with Al Horford Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Derek White like he's not going to be he's not going to get you 25 a night. Like that's just not going to happen, but he does what he needs to do. And um, he's been well exceeding my expectations. Uh, And I'll be the first to admit, you know, when this team was struggling uh, at the trade deadline, you know, I won't not afraid to admit it. I was like, Hey, you know, maybe we need to blow this thing up a little bit, or maybe I think it's time. I love Marcus Smart, but if there's a chance for us to go out and get better, um, I think we need to do it. And I'm glad that I'm not a, I'm glad I'm not a GM or a coach because, that would have definitely fucked this team over. <laughs> but yeah. I'm glad that we remained patient and that we made the right moves and uh, traded the right people. And um, obviously you saw our season turned around, and I think I think the problem with the Celtics was it was just they were they were playing too much iso ball and not team basketball. And um, it was more players caring a little bit more about individual stats, I think. And um, I think that New York, I think that RJ, I'll, I'll say that about the Knicks. The Knicks saved our season. I think that R.J. Barrett buzzer beer when we fell 18-21 and 21 really was the turning point of our year. I think when we blew that 25-point lead and um, the national exposure we were getting from that loss and from that game, I think, really woke this team up because since then it's been a completely different basketball team. And, um, uh, yeah, that, that that really did turn our season around. And, you know, Smart's been great, and so has Derek white have This entire team, it's not – a lot of teams – a lot of previous Celtic teams, even that 2018 team that took LeBron to seven games, I'm kind of already looking towards the next season. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe we trade Marcus Morris and get blah, 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 blah. But I'm looking at this team and I'm like, we don't need anyone else. Like, we've been playing, it's such a well put together team. Like, maybe we could use some extra bench pieces, but I don't think we need a Bradley Beal. I don't think we need to go out and get a Zach Levine. I don't think we need to go out and get whoever the free agents are. Like, this is a really good team. Um, And it's really well put together and it's one of the best defensive basketball teams in the NBA And I think that was really on display in the fourth quarter. I think Boston really finally turned up the defensive intensity. So um, Regardless of the outcome of this series, you know, this is still an incredibly young Celtics team Jalen Brown is still only 25 Jalen Jason Tatum is only 24 like those guys have not hit their ceiling at all yet like if you think they've they've reached their prime like they're nowhere near yet like smart Is now just hitting his prime at 28? like Marcus Smart is finally turning into um, the player that the Celtics drafted him to become. And uh, so just wait till those guys are around 27, 28 years old. But, um, yeah, really, really satisfied with game one. Um, going into game two, before before we wrap up, you want to do quick quick little predictions? Let's do it. Go for it. I think they steal game two too. Ooh! I think Warriors win game three in TD Garden. Boston's going to steal game two at the Chase Center. And I think um, it's going to be another down to the wire game. I'm going to go 107-110.
0: Celtics steal it down in the last two minutes. Go up 2-0. I'm going to go Warriors 112, Celtics 106. I think, like I said, Golden State is, to their credit, still a very talented basketball team, and they, I think, are experienced enough in the playoffs and talented enough to... Uh, not go down 0-2, particularly at home. Um, you know, you could probably afford to lose one at home. Um, this could be a series where they, they these teams just alternate wins. You know, Boston could win game one. Golden State could win game two. Boston game three. Golden State game four, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which, if that's the case, that's a good MO for Boston if they just keep alternating wins. Um, granted, it's going to go to game seven, but yeah. if that same pattern continues. Um, and, and I could see you know, at the end of game four, the series being tied at two, like, I think that's a very real possibility. Um, I would be stunned if it was, um, you know, if it was three, one either way, like, I don't see that happening. Um, but I I do think tied at two, two at the end of game four and tied one, one at the end of game two, I think is a pretty reasonable expectation. Um, and, and not to say that, I, I I mean, I would be stunned if game two was a blowout for the Warriors. Like, I, I don't think they have quite the talent to blow out the Celtics. Um, I don't think
1: there'll be many blowouts. I don't think there'll be any blowouts in this series. No.
0: Um, but I, I do think if the Warriors win, um, it'll be, like I said, about 112 to 106. Six point win, they probably get some free throws late, stuff like that. But um, all in all, I think that the series is 1-1 going back to TD Garden for game three and, um, I mean, I think we we see what happens from there. But just a reminder that Game 2 is Sunday at 5 p.m. on ABC. Uh, we'll have plenty to recap from Game 2 on Monday's episode of Back and Forth, along with a look ahead to Game 3 and plenty more news to get to from the weekend. Until then, though... Enjoy the rest of your day and your weekend. I've been your host at Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rastry, Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host Joey G. And as a friendly reminder, you can find the Back and Forth podcast on Twitter at Pod. Instagram is at backforthpodcast. And wherever you get your audio podcast is where Back and Forth can be found. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will talk to you guys on Monday.